Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Carrie Gress. Carrie is a fellow at the Washington, D.C.-based think tank, Ethics and Public Policy Center, a scholar at the Institute for Human Ecology at Catholic University of America. She is the editor of the online women's magazine, Theology at Home. Carrie's work has been has appeared in numerous publications. She's the author of several books, including we had her on several years ago, The Anti-Mary Exposed, and she has a new book out called The End of Women, How Smashing the Patriarchy Destroyed Us. And Carrie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. But I forgot to mention uh, a mother of many who ha- wears many hats. So on top of all these other things, I forgot the most important one. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. No, forgive you. <laughs> um, you know, I really enjoy your writing and, you know, the depth in which you go. And and my thought is having to read all this stuff must be hard because, you know, the anti-Mary mm-hmm. kind of talked about the last 50 years and Gloria Steinem and Kate mm-hmm. Millett and kind of what took place for there. But this book, you kind of went back even deeper to, you know, this isn't something, a phenomenon just around Vatican II days. This has been going on for a long time. And maybe talk about having to read that. And also, what did you find out about this movement and what it's built upon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, like you mentioned, I had already done the the work kind of back to the 60s with feminism up to that point. And um you know, the, the real narrative, I think, among conservative circles is that um, the first part of feminism was actually really good. And it wasn't until the second wave that, you know, it was sort of subverted and, and became something totally different than what it had initially been. And so, you know, I thought I'll take a couple of days and just do some, you know, glancing research just to sort of make sure that that's really the case. And um, I, I was flabbergasted because what I found was absolutely not that narrative at all and actually found just incredibly awful things sort of lurking beneath the, the surface. And, um, you know, I was kind of amazed that, you know, why has this not been pointed out before? Why have we not taken this seriously? And um, but also just seeing the patterns that existed from the almost the very beginnings of feminism, um, it, you know, starting with the, the basic question that I, I think feminists have asked for a long time not how do we help women as women, but how do we help women become more like men? Um, And as soon as I sort of reoriented the whole movement under that question, suddenly everything sort of starts making sense because then you start realizing that, um, you know, we've, we've put the masculine really on this pedestal and that's the the goal for women. I know it was for me certainly being grown, you know, as I was growing up, that was what, you know, I was told in so many different ways in so many different media um, throughout my life. And, uh, you know, you can see that now, even with the, the trans movement. So anyway, I think that was really the startling discovery was just to see this isn't some sort of, uh, you know, new phenomenon, but in fact, they, there's these old, uh, um, ideas that just continue to echo and kind of, um, like waves, it just ripple throughout the, the, the different decades. And, um, you know, they've, they've certainly come to fruition in our own age in the fullest sense. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, just hearing you and, and reading your books and understanding, I mean, you just realize how demonic this whole movement is based upon, mm-hmm. right? It's it's this occult, yeah. this Marxism. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's based yeah. on everything that would lead to destruction, yet people, you know, follow a movement without ever finding out 
what it's based upon and what its tenets are. Like they just assume everything's peachy keen and I'm going to go with it. And when they do find out, geez, you would hope they change their mind. Yeah, no. And I think that's really the surprising thing. You know, I sort of started thinking about feminism as kind of a brand and it's branded itself as sort of this, um, you know, gentle grandmotherly kind of guiding light that is leading women to greater happiness. And in fact, that you know, the reality couldn't be any different from that, especially if you start looking at the underbelly of, you know, women's um, happiness levels and numbers, all the metrics point to women being much less happy now than they were, you know, when feminism really came onto the scene in full force in the 60s and 70s. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely done an amazing job as pre- of presenting itself as kind of the only narrative and the only way that, that smart women think. And it's also simultaneously done an amazing job of painting into a corner those of us that disagree with it, you know, either by ignoring us or um, belittling us or, you know, <laughs> Marching out the women in the red robes and red hats with that hand, the handmaid's tale kind of references and trying to make it look like if we don't, if you don't agree with feminism, then you must be a doormat or, you know, you're part of a fertility cult or something. So anyway, it's, it's pretty masterful when you start really looking at the, the marketing and the, the ways in which um, fem, the feminist movement has been so effective in, in really indoctrinating, you know, almost all of the West and especially well, and- women. Yeah, and looking at the movement and really any movement that really is based on intolerance, right? It's my way or the highway, and if you don't agree with me, I think you said you're called all kind of names. That ought to be a red flag for everybody. When a movement has intolerance and won't even be willing to listen to anybody else's point of view, that should be a red flag that, you know, you need to be stay away as stay far away as possible. Yet people somehow buy into this narrative find this unhappiness and still can't find out the reason they're unhappy. Yeah. And that's the biggest tragedy is just the fact that it's so um, hidden and pernicious and so many women are suffering from it. just have no idea that this is what they're suffering from because they just authentically think that this is the way women are meant to live their lives, that we can sort of figure out this myth of the, um, the independent woman that's, you know, her career is more important than her husband and children and, you know, all of these different ways in which we're we're told to live in discord with, with our own human nature. Um, so, yeah, that's the real tragedy. And then, of course, the other tragedy is just the fact that it's been incredibly deadly. I mean, if you look at the abortion industry, which is a direct result of the feminist movement, um, there's never been an ideology that has been more deadly, not Stalin, not Hitler not now, you know, it's the numbers are just um, astonishing. I think, you know, in the future when saner heads prevail, people will really recognize that. But right now we're just sort of in the soup of it and can't really see the forest of the trees, I think. Well, and unfortunately, they've been extremely successful, right? And they've, and they, you know, the culture has bought into it. You know, it wasn't too long ago, yep. Chelsea Handler put out a video about how great life was, like it, what her day would look like without children, which in reality was extremely yeah. sad. Then you got the Barbie movie who basically says, yeah. you know, men are not important and we don't care about them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. people like flock to these things like, you know, I saw high schools, you know, having Barbie day. They, they don't mm. realize the damage that they're doing because they just think it's fun when in reality the message is so right. deadly. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's a great lesson for us as far as just recognizing, you know, there's so much room for media that actually really is fun. I mean, this is the, the problem is the left has really cornered the whole market on 
media and isn't putting things out that are, are actually fun. You know, we're not putting out information in a way that women consume material. And this is one of the things that I, I discovered, um, certainly when I was doing the research for the anti-Mary, was that the, the culture has been destroyed through things like the Barbie movie, through magazines, through daytime TV, through the fashion industry. You know, all of these things that are they, they have their ideas sort of embedded in that media. And we don't do the same. And that's actually really been the motivation for the, the theology of home books that I, I've published um, with Noel Maring and um, the, the website that she and I run um, is to try and help women sort of understand that there's a different way to think about being a woman and to live your life. And, um, you know, we're just not supplying it as, as Catholics and even as pro-lifers. Um, and before I forget, thanks for reminding me, how can people follow what you're doing, follow your website? Because you do have so much more material than just these books. Uh, people really yeah. do need to dive into them. Um, well, the best place is, of course, theologyofhome.com, which is um, my blog and, and Mercantile, which has lifestyle products. I mean, I think that's another area that the Catholics can certainly dip into more readily, just bringing our faith to life in, in products for the home. Um, and then, of course, m more of my articles are at uh, uh, com as well. Well, again, I would highly encourage people to look these up because you have so much more to really not only identify the problem, but how to live in this world, which people need to be reminded of. Right. It's it's not only, yes, we're battling evil, we're battling all this stuff. But the, the positive thing is, how do we live our lives and, and raise our children because in the end, the children are the ones who are going to be destroyed because it's going to be another generation of these lies if we don't do something as parents, which is our responsibility, isn't it? No, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, the other exciting thing is that we have an amazing and beautiful message that when people see it, they're really drawn towards and attracted to, you know, with our faith and, and what the faith teaches and the gift that it gives us by living it out on a practical level. Um, so Noelle and I are, are actively busy trying to help women really see that because I don't think we even have kind of the, the, the hooks in our imagination anymore for what healthy women look like. Um, so that's a, a major responsibility I think that we have in the church is to help women realize that there's just a completely different and beautiful and rich way to to manage our homes and our lives and raise our children and, and love our husbands. Well, and the reminder is that's where you're going to find that happiness and joy, right? When Christ is part right. of our life and we actually understand, uh, you know, the natural order, because it is funny, mm -hmm. you will see, and I've seen it on social media, these liberal women unhappy with the wimpy men that they get, because in right. reality, they're looking <laughs> for these masculine men that they eviscerated right. and yeah. they can't understand that, they're, they've caused the problem they're in, but they're unhappy with the problem that they've gotten. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, there's all sorts of contradictions like that in terms of, you know, we want to be just like men, but we hate men and all of that. So, yeah, I think um, it's it's incredibly challenging to, to actually look at the details and to really see the underbelly of, of what's been created. And, I, you know, the fun thing has been actually a lot of men really have loved this book. Um, predominantly, most of my interviews, um, especially among conservatives, um, have been with men. And so it's been great to feel like that this book gives men a way to start talking about helping women and really sort of seeing through all of the lies and um, giving them a, a voice in a way that I, I don't think they have really found in other areas. It seems like, you know, there are a few things that shut down a conversation like saying the word feminism. <laughs> so gratefully, I think this book is sort of helping, um, you know, restore a, a kind of sanity and, and, you know, engage in conversation again, or at least 
um, you know, privately, men, I think, are feeling edified by it, feeling like I, I knew I wasn't crazy. <laughs> There's really something disordered and wrong with this. So um, that's been really wonderful, too. Well, and part of the thing is men have gone along with it. Yeah, may, they might be victims at mm-hmm. some level, but at some point, you're to be the protector. I mean, you know, Adam didn't protect Eve and we saw what happened. And so when we abdicate our responsibility, when we're willing to play, you know, computer games on TV or whatever the heck they're doing and, Mm -hmm. you know, not get married and live with women and abandon children. I mean, men have to take a lot of the responsibility too. Yeah. The culture was kind of against them, but if you don't fight against it, then, you know, you're going to be kind of where we are today. Yeah. No, and that's exactly right. And then, you know, I, I certainly don't encourage men to enter into debates about this because everybody knows it sort of feels like <laughs> a losing battle. But I think the best way to fight it is to actually just become a better man um, because that speaks volumes. And, you know, people recognize that and appreciate that and see that. And, you know, the kind of modeling that that is certainly for our children um, and people around that um, speaks volumes and, you know, sort of that that um, ripple in the pond that the bigger things are going to happen than just you're going to be happier. Um, the people around you will notice and then will have its own effect in its own way. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking because, you know, Colin Kaepernick, the, the quarterback who's, you know, mm-hmm. blasted the NFL, you know, you're all slave owners and, you know, it was really, mm-hmm. you know, an emasculated male now wants to be mm-hmm. back with the slave owners and back in the NFL and begging to come back yep. in and almost, if the parallel to feminism really just hit me today when I was prepared for the oh, interview, thinking we like to right. gripe about this and you guys are terrible, but oh, can I be part of your club? Yeah, yeah. No, it's really remarkable just that that reality and and again it being built on on envy and distrust and you know idolization of the masculine, all of these things are really in play. And of course, what's been abandoned is really what it means to live authentically as a woman and to be a good woman. I, you know, I just actually uh, penned an article about how we can't even define what a good woman is anymore. I think because we've made it so much the case that we think of women as working women. We don't really have the, we don't gauge them in that question of being a bad or a real woman anymore. We just think of them in terms of, are they successful? Um, so yeah, it's, it is amazing. The, the, incredible mess that that this has made. And I think, um, you know, one of the best things we can do is just educate ourselves about the layers that it has, um, you know, embedded into our own minds and and help us to start seeing things with renewed vision. Well, in reality, it would be a step up if we could just define what a bad or a good woman is. Now we can't even define what a woman is, right? They basically erase themselves while while trying to be men who they hated I mean, to be honest, yeah. you almost feel like you need to take some anison after you read what they're trying to do and what they're talking about, because yeah. you're like, I think I'm living in the twilight zone. Yeah, no. And that's actually the interesting thing about, you know, you initially asked about um, doing the research for all this. I mean, that's sort of how it feels, because so much of it is very shallow. It's very um you know, a lot of the remarks are just ridiculous and silly and, 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 you know, feminists get very little pushback so they can get away with saying these ridiculous things. And, you know, sometimes the view will get, um, you know, people push back on things that are said at the view. But by and large, you know, someone like Gloria Steinem gets very little pushback on some of the ridiculous things that, that she has said. And um, that that's just kind of how the 
the movement has operated sort of in this this vacuum without anybody ever saying like, what do you actually mean by, by that? Um, so maybe that's a good question to always keep in your back pocket when dealing with women who are, are pro-feminism is what, you know, what do you really mean by that? Why are you not defining your terms? Or what do you mean by feminism? Um, because it, it's, it, that's how it's, it's become so popular is because it, people define what they mean by it instead of there actually being a, a real definition of it and sort of morphs into, you know, our pet rock kind of thing, whatever we want it to be. <laughs> you know, in, in the anti-Mary, you had the, you know, the chant that they would say before meetings that included, mm-hmm. you know, destruction of the patriarchy and all that. And you mentioned right. Gloria Steinem and some of the ones that are still around, have any of them voiced any regret? Because at some point, don't you look at your life and think, oh my gosh, how stupid could I have been? And I've misled all these people. Have any, to your knowledge, ever acknowledged that they're wrong and, and have tried to rewrite history? Yeah, no, not that I'm aware of. Um, there has, has Those stories haven't made it out of any of the, the bigger women. I know... Um, Barbara Walters voice can, you know, regret that she didn't have more children, but there hasn't been sort of a wholesale, you know, reckoning that I've, I've heard of from other women. I, I know a lot of um, women who are not famous, who live the lifestyle, who are just really living with some incredibly deep regrets because they just went along with what feminists told them would make them happy. And now, you know, they're 50, 60, 70 and don't have families and don't, you know, wonder like, this was not what I was promised. This isn't what I wanted. Um, and that's, you know, a tragic situation. And obviously we know with grace, God is, is going to still, you know, extract and, and, and build a beautiful mission out of all of that. Um, but that's the, the really sad thing is that there's all these promises and they just do not bear out to what really are on the desires of our own hearts. And, you know, reading, reading all of your writings, it just, you know, just it, the theme that constantly reminds me of is, you know, if Christ isn't our cornerstone, isn't our foundation stone, we're going to fall for all kind of lies. And so yeah. it really yeah. is incumbent upon us as parents to, to live faithful lives, to witness faithful lives, because if we send our children out into the world without, a, without faith in, in Christ, they, they're going to be subject to all the wolves and they're just going to be those poor sheep, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. In fact, someone earlier today was asking me if my teenager had still agreed with my my thinking on these things. And, you know, gratefully at this point, she she still does. But, uh, you know, part of that is just really good formation and pointing out the contradictions and the lies and the ways in which that, you know, you're being manipulated. And so uh, those are the kinds of things that are the best inoculation against um, these these lies. And, you know, of course, obviously, like you said, Christ is as the cornerstone, but I don't think we can, um, we need to make sure that we're, we're being reasonable and we're training our kids in, in philosophy and, we're, you know, nothing too complicated, but just basic tenets so that not, not everything that they respond to is coming from a place of emotion. Um, Cause that's really what, what the culture is trying to do is to teach us to just go along with whatever, you know, feels right instead of being able to actually think through things in an ordered and, you know, lovely way, beautiful way. Well, and, you know, it's kind of, you know, the grass is always greener. I'd always want to be somebody other than me until I become mm-hmm. someone other than me. And then I wish I wasn't that. It's almost be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Mm-hmm. And we, we mm-hmm. do live in this world. And you talked about envy and these these other vices that if not kept in control and tried to turn them into virtues, they lead us to do things we never thought we were capable of doing. 
Yeah. No, and I think that goes both ways. I mean, I think when you start living a life of virtue, you also find things that you you do that you never dreamed you were capable of doing either. So yeah. um, they, they have incredible power, you know, when they're wielded in, in the, the right way and in the wrong way. Um, so, yeah, that's that is the scary thing when you start looking into, you know, looking into that abyss and seeing what you're actually capable of. And, you know, maybe I. I appreciate this because I lived that life. You know, I didn't, I had a conversion around the time that I was in college and that, you know, you look back and think, I know my weakness. I know what God allowed me to do. And these are things that, you know, you, you think you're stronger than that. So anyway, I think that's, there's a lot of beauty in, in recognizing our brokenness and recognizing that, that it's God that will transform us and make us into who it is that he meant for us to be instead of, you know, what, what happens to us when we are operating off of our own steam. Well, and it's always easy to blame others, right? That, that way we never have to look in the mirror to say that I'm the yeah. one as at fault, right? That I think that's why God made mirrors, actually. Maybe more of us need to look at them. Um, but yeah. we always, we're always the victim and everybody's always the enemy. We see it with, you know, all these, you know, racist accusations that are going on, whether it's Black Lives Matter all these things that are yeah. going on, but it really is the classic playbook of Saul Alinsky, right? We got to find the enemy and attack the enemy, yep. whether they're the enemy or not. Yep. Yeah. We just create an enemy. And then as a result, we become immediately the victims. And then of course, victims have taken on this whole new status. It's just remarkable because everybody wants to be a victim now because we've made it, you know, we've given it this clout that is just in, incredible. Um, so yeah, and there, and there, it's the kind of victimization that's actually never been victimized. It's just merely by having a certain set of characteristics that makes you a victim. So yeah, you can definitely see that the Alinsky and the, the, the Marxist, um, trends of just the oppressor and the oppressed, that, that pattern kind of mapping onto women, but also, you know, it's now being used in critical race theory. Um, so it's, it's amazing how as a country we have fallen so hard for this particular you know it's really a trick this particular trick well the devil is extremely successful unfortunately and i don't know if you've seen the movie nefarious but it reminds me mm -hmm. of you know him allowing us to think how free we are and all the things that mm -hmm. we've we've accomplished when he's just yeah. sitting back smiling saying oh boy you guys you guys are taking this farther than i could have ever dreamed yeah isn't that the truth so that's and that's where we're at huh <laughs> well, that's that's where we're at. But the good news is, right, we do know the truth. You know, Christ wins yeah. in the end. It's just a matter of really looking at these people that buy into these lies. They're not our enemy, mm -hmm. right? They are people that need to be prayed yeah. for, that need to be told the mm -hmm. truth, whether they believe it or not. Because how how bad would it be at our particular judgment for the Lord to say, I sent all these people in your life and you never told them the truth? Yeah, yeah. No, that is a scary, scary prospect, and I think um, certainly one that motivates me in terms of not thinking about that particular judgment, but just thinking about these people that are in my life and these women that I could help um, through my my writing and work. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I actually try to make these books very readable. Uh, I have a PhD in philosophy, and it's, you know, the temptation to just write academic work is, is obviously a rich one in terms of um, career advancement and whatnot, um, and yet these books 
I'm, you know, really determined to make them readable and, and be page turners so that that, you know, average person could just pick one up and be pulled into it instead of feeling like it's a real slog. So I think that's another important thing that we have to do as, as Catholics as well is find ways that people can absorb material that's going to reach them, um, you know, whether it's a conversation with our children or with a good friend or with our husband, um, you know, not assuming that we can speak to them in a way that suits us, but that, that suits them, that they can actually hear things. And that's, again, where the Holy Spirit comes into guiding us and, and leading us because, uh, you know, messages can can be blocked or can be absorbed depending on the, how, the, how we present them. And we're down to the last couple of minutes. I had so many notes. I'm surprised I was any, able to provide any kind of coherent uh, questions <laughs> on this. Um, but have you had any feminists, you know, come to you and say, thank you for writing this. I see things in a different light. Not only this, but your other works as well. Mm-hmm. Have they been mm-hmm. open to at least reading it to have a dialogue? Yeah, no. I mean, I've had amazing stories of women that call themselves feminists. I've, I know of one lesbian who left the lifestyle. I know of one woman who worked at Planned Parenthood and finally figured out where all this dysfunction was coming from after she read my book. And now she's doing a theology degree. Um, so, yeah, I, I have been so humbled by, you know, people who have been, read this material and had it changed their lives. And, you know, it's those kinds of small things that just go so far <laughs> when you hear the positive reports um because of course there's plenty of negative too um gratefully i've gotten a pretty thick skin about all of that but um yeah it's those those positive things that you know just really make me realize like this was worth all the blood sweat and tears and wading through all this awful material and and extracting from it something that people can actually use and apply to their lives and and change them for the better that's why I would highly recommend people not only get the book right to educate themselves, but share it with somebody in their family who's who's bought into the lie that would be open to to reading it. Now, you may have to put a plain cover on it because I think if you hand it to them, it says the end of woman, woman, how smashing the patriarchy destroyed the U.S., they might not be quite as open. But I think the material inside would be very beneficial for him. So I would highly encourage people to do it. We're down to, again, the last 20, 30 seconds or so. Can you remind people, you know, how they can follow what you're doing, how they can get not only this book, but other books and really stay abreast of what's going on? Yeah, um, they can certainly go to theologyofhome.com. And if people want a signed copy, they can get signed copies of any of my books there. Um, CarrieGress.com has got all of my articles. And then um, Theology of Home and I are both on Instagram as well for people that are more active on social media. If you like the content of these shows that we produce on a weekly basis, please prayerfully consider supporting us. Go to ccdenver.org, click on the donate button, and then click on Respect Life Denver to support this programming. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.